BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's up, everybody? I'm Najee Adams. And I'm Hunter Jacobs. And you're listening to the Hootball Nets Podcast. So, this is our debut episode. Well, we've recorded multiple other episodes, but this is the first one that you guys will be hearing. If you want to go hear the ones that we recorded before, they're on our feed, so you can easily go listen to them. We encourage you to go listen to them. Um, but as of right now, you guys probably don't know who we are at all, so we're just going to introduce ourselves. Uh, I'm Najee, Najee Adams. Uh, I'm 20 years old, a junior at St. John's University in New York City, lived in New York all my life. Uh, my favorite athlete of all time is Kobe Bryant, huge Laker fan, but I'm also extremely interested in the Nets since I live here and they're much more interesting than the Knicks. Hunter? So I'm Hunter. I also attend St. John's. I'm a junior sports management major and I've also lived in New York my whole life. I'm a Celtics fan, and my favorite athlete of all time is actually Paul Pierce, as you'd expect as a Celtics fan. Oh, I so, forgot to say, my major is journalism. We are, so we're, neither of us are Nets fans, but we're both interested in the Nets, but I think that will make it better for this podcast, because we'll be unbiased, we'll never side towards the Nets more than another team, is just looking at it from the outside in. And what what I think is going to set this podcast apart is that we've never done anything like this before. Like, we're new to this whole podcast thing. Usually with podcasts, it's like a, a host from other podcasts that are starting a new one. No, this is our first podcast. So you guys are going to get the chance to see us grow and develop as people and podcasters and sports fanatics. So just stay with us, grow with us. And eventually, this, we're hoping to make this thing big. So before we get into the actual nets, we just want to tell you guys where you can find us. Uh, our newly formed Twitter is at HoopBallNets. No spaces or anything like that, just at HoopBallNets. If you want to find us individually on Twitter, it's my Twitter handle is at Najee Adams underscore. If you don't know how to spell Najee, it's N-A-J-E-E Adams underscore. And my Twitter handle is at Hunter underscore J-K-R. So yeah, let's get into the actual Brooklyn Nets talk. So the two most re- this the way this podcast is going to work usually is that we're going to cover every game individually, podcast by podcast. But this podcast is going to be a, we're going to cram two games into this one: the Cavs game and the Pelicans game. So starting with the Cavs, they blew the Cavs out in Rondé Hollis Jefferson's season debut. They beat them one hundred two to eighty six on the road. 
Uh, it was the first time the net. It was the first team the Nets managed to hold under 100 points the entire season, including the preseason. Uh, they outscored them 38 to 17 in the third quarter, which is good to see after them being tied going into the half. And also, it's good to see because the Nets had been having trouble coming out of the half with intensity, which we talked about in one of the podcasts. You guys are probably not going to hear, but uh, for the first time all season, the Nets won the turnover battle, 15 to 14. However, they got severely out-rebounded, 53-44, to and gave up 16 offensive rebounds alone, which doubled their own total, because they only got eight. So, turnovers, offensive rebounding, and defense are their three That's main their problems. Three problems. They won the turnovers, although it was by one. They got horribly out-rebounded. And it was by one to the Cavs. <laughs> and the defense... I'll chalk it up to the Cavs being worse I was gonna, more than the I was Nets being ask good you at that. defense. Is it, is it the Cavs being good? Is it the Cavs being bad or the Nets playing good defense? The Cavs are a terrible team that may not win 15 games this season. Because so. when you look at it, the only players on the Cavs that hit a three were George Hill and Kevin Love. Like, th- And that's going to be consistent. <laughs> Rodney Hood should be able to shoot, and he's not. He is not taking threes. And so. Kevin Love only took nine shots, and their team high in points was a three-way tie between Kevin Love, Colin Sexton, and Jordan Clarkson, all having 14. Kevin Love only took nine shots, and Jordan Clarkson took more shots than Kevin Love. So that's why I feel like it's a testament to how horrible the Cavs are, because if you have Jordan Clarkson taking more shots than Kevin Love, that that's just why. There's no reason as to why that should be happening. Had the uh, Nets lost the game, they probably would have lost because of offensive rebounding. But they ended up shooting 43.7% from the field, 42.1% from the three-point line, and 80% um, from the three-point line, and 80% from the free-throw line. They made 12 of their 15 attempts, which is good to see because the Nets are a struggling free-throw team, to say the least. Um, They played their best defense of the season, holding the Cavs to 38.2% shooting from the field, 16.7% shooting from three, and 93.8% from the line. They only made three of their 18 three-point attempts, and two of them were by uh, Kevin Love, and one of them was by George Hill, so that's about that. Uh, Moving on to the box score, Joe Harris had 16 points. Joe Harris is actually pretty surprising, because when they re-signed him, I thought he'd just come off the bench for 24 minutes, Crank up a couple of threes, but nah, he's getting rebounds, assists, a steal. He hit four threes in this game. His rebounds and assists are career highs right now, so it's good to see him adding more than just threes. Uh, next on to Jared Allen, he had 10 points, eight rebounds, three assists, one steal, and a block. Nothing crazy. Not his best game of the season, not his worst. Uh, Ed Davis kind of really broke out for the Nets here. He got 10 points and 10 rebounds. He double-doubled, and six of the 10 rebounds he got were offensive. The primary reason the Nets got Ed Davis was for rebounding. So for him to put up a double-double, get offensive rebounds in a win is what they envisioned going forward. And back to Joe Harris, it people are confused whether he should start over Damari Carroll when he comes back. What do you think? I, th- I think Joe Harris should start because... If it was like last year and he was only adding in a couple, like two rebounds a game and assists, nothing crazy, just threes, period threes, then I'd say Damari Carroll. But so far, why take Joe Harris off the lineup when he's been playing so well? Like, reward him for playing well in Damari Carroll's absence and keep him in the lineup. That's how I feel, though. There is a way to keep Joe Harris in the lineup and Damari Carroll. Are we talking about benching? Don't tell me. You'd have to bench... Rondé Hollis Jefferson. No. D'Lo? Yes. 
right now. I, I knew you were going to say I would say start that. Karis LeVert at point guard, Joe Harris at the two, Damari Carroll at the three, and that is their best lineup. And then bring D'Lo off the bench? Yes. I don't think that they, as a, as a team, that they can bring themselves to do that. I mean, they have so much faith in D'Lo, but... But I think it's it's not well deserved. We will but. get to later in this episode <laughs> why D'Angelo Russell has has sins that he has to make up for. Oh my God! Uh, so if you guys don't know, a little backstory on me and Hunter. I'm a huge D'Angelo Russell fan, but I'm gonna try not to let my love for him seep into the podcast. Hunter, on the other hand, I want to say he he doesn't like D'Lo, but he's not. He's not a stan. Or I'm very like that. judgmental of him. Yeah, he's I more am judgmental. Quick to pull the pull the leash and have him be- and be benched because my biggest fan, like Karis LeVert is the player that I have the biggest faith on in this team, him and Jared Allen. I like Jared Allen. Karis, I'm always kind of iffy on because he always starts seasons good and then tapers off as it goes along, but so far he's been doing great. Speaking of Karis, this game he had 10 points, 6 rebounds, 4 assists, and 2 turnovers on 5 of 12 shooting in a team high 31 minutes. As he should. Yeah, he always seems to play the most minutes. He played the most minutes in the Pelicans game, too. He didn't attempt a single free throw in this game, which is weird to see considering he had such high free throw totals in the previous games. Uh, and that's where he had been getting a lot of his points from. So it's it, it, it makes sense that he only scored 10. And he also didn't – his hyper-efficiency streak ended as he didn't go 8 of 9. He went <laughs> 5 or 12 in this game. And on to D'Lo. You can, you can explain this one. So he had – the best game out of anyone on the team at 18 points, 8 assists, 1 rebound, 1 turnover, 5 of 14 shooting. He's never going to shoot well in a game all season, I'm convinced. He shot well in the Pelicans game, but he managed to ruin it. So. Okay, so he probably had the best game in this one. There's there's a couple of people you could argue as the MVP of the game, like Joe Harris or Karis LeVert, but... D'Lo had the best statistical game outside of efficiency. And moving on to Rondé, Hollis Jefferson, and Shabazz Napier, who both made their debuts in this game. They both came off the bench. Rondé Hollis played 21 minutes, 8 points, 8 rebounds, 1 steal, 3 of 10 shooting. You usually are inefficient in your first game back. But it's good to see he even put up 10 shots. And Jared Dudley's going to take the hit when Rondé Hollis is fully healthy and Two to three games, probably. It was Dudley's best game of the season with 12 points, four threes coming right out of the gate in the third quarter. And Shabazz Napier had eight points and one assist in 14 minutes. He's going to take some minutes away from all of the guards, a couple minutes away from all of them. He's going to, he might be the point guard in the bench unit and Dinwiddie be the two. But. They mainly have four guards that are going to rotate ball handling duties and D'Lo, LeVert, Dinwiddie, and Shabazz. So we'll see how their rotation shakes out once everyone's healthy. The the way I see it working is, so Karis LeVert seems to have the most secure position as the two guard. And then D'Lo and Spencer Dinwiddie kind of alternate back and forth between who, who, Kenny Atkinson bases who he plays more on who has the better game. Yeah. So I feel like whoever's having the worst game, Shabazz Napier is going to eat into their minutes. And this game, D'Lo was having the better game, so he ate into Spencer Dinwiddie's minutes. For me, 
Personally, I was happy that the Nets beat or managed to beat the Cavs because it showed that they're not at the bottom of the league. Like, had they kept it close with the Cavs the whole game, then it would have been disappointing, even if they won. Because it's like, you need to, as a franchise trying to sign big-time free agents next year, you need to show and differentiate yourself from a, a dumpster fire team like the Cavs. And in this game, they asserted their dominance and destroyed the Cavs as they should have. Uh, now we're going to move on to the heartbreaker that was the Nets versus Pelicans Friday night. So the Nets lost 115-117 to 117 on the road to the undefeated Pelicans. They were 3-0 at the time. They should have been 3-1. and Now they're 4-0, and they look like one of the best teams in the NBA. This was one of the games the Nets needed to win. This is one the Nets needed to win because they play the Warriors next, and that's 99% a loss. So they'll probably be on a two-game losing streak when they could have been on a one-and-one. When they could have been one-and-one in these two games. So they could have been two-and-zero. Oh yeah, they could have been two-and-zero. So once again, the Nets lose a turnover battle. Not a surprise. And at this point, it's pretty easy to say that turnovers is their greatest problem. They lost at eighteen to eleven. They currently lead the NBA in turnovers as a team with nineteen point two, which is one point two turnovers more than the second highest team, the Phoenix Suns. And it's like yes, when it comes to turnovers, it it's it's because they're a young team, but like still, it's not like they, how many rookies do they have on the roster? It's not like that's the biggest excuse they can use. They're all like third and fourth year players, so they should be able to not average more. Like the most free throws, the most turnovers in the league is is wild. And for a team that has Westbrook or Harden, like the Thunder and Rockets, to average less turnovers than the Nets is a problem because Harden and Westbrook turned the ball over a tremendous amount. Even Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid turn, turn it over an insane amount. But then you have this team with D'Angelo Russell, <laughs> Karis Levert, and Spencer Dinwiddie averaging 19 turnovers <laughs> a game, 10 to 12 of which are by the three of them Literally, every every game. time, every time. In this game, D'Lo had five alone. The Nets play the Suns on November 6th, so that should be interesting. It's going to be an extremely sloppy game with both of them averaging 18 or more turnovers per game. Um, The Nets got blocked 11 times, but at least they won the rebound battle 54-46. to They hung in there with the Pelicans all game, too. They shot 43.9% from the field, 47.5% from the three-point line, and 66.7% from the free throw line. So the threes are picking up as expected, even though... Alan Crabb had possibly the most horrendous game I've ever seen in my life at 0 of 7 shooting, 0 points. He's still, I'm still giving him slack because he's coming back from his injury. I think this is, what, his third game back, fourth game back, one of them. After, after a month, if he's still this bad, then it'll be a problem. They actually made 10 more threes than the Pelicans because they made 19. The Pelicans only made 9. But then in that same breath, they attempted 40 compared to the Pelicans' 23. On to the box score, Jared Dudley played 22 minutes compared to Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, 16, and he's still getting adjusted, but I understand Rondé Hollis-Jefferson still getting back to, and still getting adjusted back to playing NBA basketball, but there's no way Jared Dudley should be playing more minutes than him, no matter what. Like, uh, I say uh, 50% Rondé Hollis-Jefferson is better than 100% Jared Dudley. Obviously. So why why does Kenny Atkinson continue to play Jared? Because they don't want to risk him getting hurt even more. I I mean, then you should have held him out till he was a hundred percent and bring him back full speed. But 
Jared Allen had seven points, nine rebounds, four assists, two steals, and two blocks before absolutely getting destroyed. If everyone has at least seen, because everyone was so hype when Jared Allen was blocking Blake Griffin, but now he got baptized by Anthony Davis. They even hung the the poster in their locker room, which is wild. I wouldn't be surprised if the Pelicans hung uh, Anthony Davis. The alert from Bleacher Report literally said, in all caps, Anthony Davis baptizes Jared <laughs> Allen with a freeze frame of the dunk. I wonder if stuff like that hurts players' egos. Especially someone like Jared Allen, who's like I mean, known he already to be had blocking a, his people. worst game of the season. Yeah. Wasn't a good night for Jared Allen. Karis LeVert bounced back with 21 points, 6 rebounds, 4 assists, on 8 of 23 shooting, and once again, a team-high 31 minutes. Well, I mean, he took 23 shots to get 21 points, so... Yeah, that efficiency really isn't uh, holding steady. He only got to the line five times and went one of six from behind the arc. So that amazing field goal percentage we were seeing in the first couple games is, like I said, no more. The last two games, he's 13 for 35 shooting. That's like 36%. (laughs) That is awful. Uh, D'Lo, a team high, 24 points, five rebounds, four assists. He hit six triples and finally shot efficiently, nine of 16 from the field. This was his best shooting performance the whole season. However, oh, let's get to this part. <laughs> so he had five turnovers. He makes a lot of bonehead plays. He he does not know what the right play and the wrong play is. He there's seven seconds left. You're wait, afraid, wait, 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 no, 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 wait. No, no. I don't want to get into it yet. No, no, no. We're, We're gonna, gonna get into it. So you want to do Shabazz Napier first? Yeah, just let me just let me finish the box score. Shabazz Napier, he made the most of his time. He had 15 minutes, scored 16 points, two rebounds, one assist, and a steal. They gave up five blocks and four steals to AD alone, but they held him to six of 19 shooting, which is why I say they played pretty good defense. However, the guards' defense is still a problem. D'Lo and Karis LeVert, all of their guards, can't play any defense. They get lit up by any good guard that the Nets play. You, If you play fantasy basketball, any guard playing the Nets, start them. Because Drew Holiday destroyed them, put up 26 points, 5 rebounds, and 3 assists. And he's the one that put the dagger into the Nets with 3 seconds left. So now, tell, tell everybody so, about what happened. So your franchise point guard... Gets the ball with 7.5 seconds on the clock. And the Pelicans weren't fouling. They they trusted the Nets to be garbage. That's crazy. They were trying to trap. And if it didn't work, then they would foul. So all you have to do is hold the ball down. And get fouled. Hug the ball and get fouled. Because there's no jump ball if... If someone's around your back grabbing the ball, they're going to call a foul. So what D'Angelo Russell sees is Karis LeVert open to his right side. So instead of shifting his vision to the right side of the court and taking a one-step chest pass to the right side to Karis LeVert, he looks to the basket. He looked in the paint. He looked to the paint. straight and throws a pass to his right, no look pass. Sales and what happens? Out of bounds. Karis Levert takes three steps back, unexpected, and it goes straight out of bounds. Like that's what I'm. Ta- There's no communication, and, and like I don't expect you to be like, "Hey, Karis, I'll pass you the ball." But like, it, why are you look making at no him. look passes? There's seven seconds left. You're look making at him. No look passes. You look at him. Even if Karis gets a ball, he's good at free throws, so he's going to make one or two at least, one. and it would go to overtime at the very. Very least to like 
Instead, another loss because D'Angelo Russell does not know how to take care of the ball. And then it's like as soon as as soon as they do, do the turnover, it's like everyone in the arena knew it was over. And it was in the Pelicans arena, so they were happy. Karis sat up like that was so demoralizing to see your your one of your best players just sit on the floor before going back on defense. Like he had his head to the hardwood because he knew it was over. They had no time. Like the Pelicans didn't even have any timeouts. Drew just straight up got the inbound, ran up the court, took a foul line, pull up, cash. The Nets call a timeout, and then if as if things couldn't get any worse. Solomon Hill comes up to Ed Davis. Well, he he comes up to the huddle, and Ed Davis shoves him away from the Nets bench. Ed Davis definitely flopped. He gets a tech, gives Drew Holiday two. Uh, he gives Drew Holiday a free throw, which he of course sinks, and now the Nets are down two. And then after the game, Solomon Hill said that he was just learning from Jared Dudley and was trying to look at the Nets play. Like he definitely flopped. It's not even a question. I wouldn't be surprised if he got fined like Joel Embiid, but if you're Ed Davis and, and like, you're, you're not a young, like Ed Davis is one of their veterans. You've got to know not to engage in something like that with the game on the line. But then again, like when I looked at the replay, why are opposing players just allowed to walk into the huddle? Like what would it, what, like if you're the Nets, what are you supposed to do? Just let them hear your play. Like I don't blame, like I blame him, but like it's a tough position. I feel like the refs should have got done a done a better chance, but done a better job of keeping them away. Because like, what are you supposed to do if you're playing a basketball game and the opponent just walks up to your huddle? You're supposed to just let him hear what you're talking about. Just stop talking. But you still have to get and your just point across. Point him over. Just po- call the refs. They don't have time for all that. When the timeout's over, the timeout's over. If you don't get what you're trying to say across, it's over. <sighs> I mean, yeah, it's the ref's fault more than anybody, but Ed Davis still shoved him. I know, but it was a flop. It was a big flop. And then after the game, D'Lo said it was all his fault that they lost the game. Was it all his fault? I don't know if I I can say it was all his fault. I don't care what he did before that. He did that. That that ended the game. The thing with me is they would have gotten blown out. And he already lost five possessions for them throughout the game. They would have gotten blown out had he not played as well as he did um i don't think that's true i don't because if you take away his minutes and then you give shabazz napier who was lighting them up the whole time is not as good as minutes or if you give dinwiddie more minutes or lavert more minutes i think they make up those stats eight of 23 they will make up those stats with ease no they wouldn't i i just feel like is is it mostly his fault sure I'll put 80% of the blame on him, but not 100%. Sure, 20% on Jared Dudley's lack of stats there. <laughs> Fine. There. I just don't think it's all his fault. And now, uh, and, and after the game, something interesting is that Drew Holiday said he saw the Nets had an iPad to draw up plays instead of the whiteboard that Avon Gentry used. I personally didn't even know that people, they use iPads in the NBA to draw up plays. That's, we, that's crazy to think about. But on to the Brooklyn Baller of the Week. This is a segment where we've we've done it in the episodes that we recorded before. Yeah, we've already handed one out. You the, guys in here at the end of each week, it will be two to three games in a week probably when we do this, and it's the player who performed the best that week, and then we're gonna count how many each player has and give a Brooklyn Baller of the mid season for around the All Star game and, and Brooklyn eventually. Baller of the season. Uh, yeah, Brooklyn Baller of the Year. 
And uh, this last week, it was Castlevert because, of course, he came out the gate swinging. So he already has one. But you guys did get to hear that, as Hunter said. So this week... Okay, so we were conflicted on who... We still are conflicted, but I I took the L and gave it to Hunter's choice. Because D'Angelo Russell did average 21 points in the two games. But he also had a lot of turnovers. Combined, didn't shoot efficiently. His stats were... Okay, the only thing he did well was hit threes. He turned the ball over a lot, obviously, and lost them the second game of the week. But he's also going to win them so many more games. I don't even know if I can say that. Yeah, I, I, I really don't know. I don't know. even know if I can say so, that. Although his stats in the second game where he had seven points, six rebounds, and two assists was a lackluster game, the big baller of the week, the Brooklyn the baller. Big ba- <laughs> <laughs> we got LeVar Ball, the big baller of the week. <laughs> the Brooklyn baller of the week is who? Tell them. Tell them who Hunter fought tooth and nail with me about to make the Brooklyn baller of the week. The who Brooklyn baller of the week is Joe Harris. Joe Harris is our he Brooklyn baller of the week. He had 16, 6, and 2 in the win over the Cavs and 7, 6, and 2. In the loss to the Pelicans. He held Seti Osman to 4-12. Yeah, Seti Osman. Because that's a, big, that's although, a big job to Although Seti Osman broke out last week for the Cavs and had some stellar performances. Joe okay, Harris but we're talking about Seti Osman, not LeBron James. And Joe Harris also played solid defense on Etwan Moore, who had... We're one talking of, about Seti Osman and Etwan Moore. I mean... When you have everyone else on the court getting lit up by everybody, it makes him as, look even better. Such I guess. as Colin Sexton and Jordan Clarkson they lighting had 14. up. Fourteen, but they also had the best games on the Cavs. <laughs> but that doesn't mean that they're a good. Joe game. Harris locked them, locked him up in such a way he was not even on the statistical oh radar. Oh my goodness! So. Stats-wise, sure, D'Angelo Russell, but it's because he has the biggest volume, the highest usage. He has a ball in his hands the most. I'm not worried because I know D'Lo will get at least... I'm, all right, over under, D'Lo gets six Brooklyn Ballers of the Week. I was going to say five, so under. And I'll go over. You you think he has eight or so weeks with yes. Brooklyn Baller of the Week? Yes. That is two months worth of Brooklyn okay. Ballers. Okay, I say he at least gets. I say he at least gets seven. I say he at least gets seven, and you say five. I will almost guarantee that Karis Levert ends with more. Ah, uh, do I want to make this bet? Karis Levert ends with more Brooklyn Bullets of the week than D'Angelo Russell. He will. Bar- can we do barring injury? Barring an injury that keeps one of them out at least fifteen games. They both games. they both at least have to play 60 games. 65. Okay, six, they both at least have to play 65. Okay. And I say D'Angelo is, has more broken balls of the week than Karis LeVert. That's not happening. It could be D'Lo played 82 games and Karis LeVert played 65 and he still ends with Okay, you want to make that bet? I mean, that's a, that's a hypothetical. Yeah, exactly. This is 17 Okay, games, so the bet, but... the bet is on the board. I say... D'Lo has more Brooklyn Bulls of the week. He says Karis LeVert does. We'll figure out the punishment somewhere <laughs> along the season, but this is not going to be forgotten. Now, moving on. Jared Allen is a quiet sleeper for more Brooklyn Ballers of the week than D'Lo, by the way, as well. I'd be willing to 
double down. <laughs> double down. So you let me get both of them individually? Okay, that's like taking the field because who else <laughs> is getting one? Um, Rondé Hollis? Not a chance. Another Joe Harris? Not a chance. Way. Joe Harris shouldn't even have got this one, but I let you have it. Now, okay, I'll give you... Okay, let me take another player on the net. So with D'Lo and Karis Avert, I say... No, I got Allen and okay, Karis Avert. Yeah. D- I have D'Lo, you have Karis Avert. I say... You're get Dinwiddie. I say Spencer Dinwiddie has more... Uh, <laughs> that's setting myself up for failure. No, I'm not making this bet. I'm not making. I know when to pick and choose my battles. We're keeping it to D'Lo and Karis LeVert because the Nets don't have a fourth best player. So <laughs> I'm not betting Joe Harris and Jared Allen. So that's a no. But moving on, looking ahead, the Nets play the Warriors in their next matchup. What do you think is gonna? What, what do you think they pull away with a win? They're two and three right now. If I had to guess. I would say that the Nets lose by approximately 37 points. <laughs> and Steph Curry has a nice... He had 51 in three quarters. I give him... Who are they playing when he had 51? The Wizards. Oh, God. I give him... Oh, he's going to light the Nets up. I give him 53 points if the game is within reach. If it's not, I say that he gets he gets 44 in three quarters and then sits the whole fourth. Who? Who? Okay, this is a sidebar, but... If you had to pick an MVP right now, who would it be? Steph? Yes. Yeah, it would easily be Steph. And so, that's crazy. So if so, I said my favorite athlete of all time was Paul Pierce. But my favorite athlete today is Steph Curry, by the way. His is D'Angelo Russell. That's crazy because mine is D'Lo. It's D'Lo and Brandon Ingram. But And Steph Curry is winning his third MVP this season. The only Steph Curry was on the Nets. Now, do we think... And we obviously don't think the Nets are going to beat the Warriors... So it's gonna be a hard one for them to win. You know, at this point, the Nets could be four and one. They could be. And the crazy thing is, after they beat the, after they play the Warriors, they play the Knicks again, and then they play the Nets. I mean, and then they play the Nets. Play the Nets. They play the Nets. They play the Knicks, and then they play the Pistons. So two teams they've already played, and then they play a struggling Rockets team, a struggling Sixers team. A, str- a struggling Nets. Suns team. Uh, um, yeah, yeah the, the Nets. Nets. <laughs> <laughs> the Nets, see? And, and then they play the Nuggets, so that's going to be a loss. So looking at the Nets, Nets. For next one, two, three, four, five, six games, they play the Warriors, the Knicks, the Pistons, the Rockets, the Sixers, and the Suns. I'm saying they lose to the Warriors. And they lose to the Sixers. I say they beat the Knicks, beat the Pistons, pull one out against the Rockets. That would make them be on a three-game win streak. Uh, they lose to the Sixers and beat the Suns. Uh, yeah, I get they lose to the Sixers and, and beat two. the Suns. They're, if they're, they would be what? Six and four? Six and five. Six and five? I'm, that's good enough. And like, even if they lose to the Rockets, they'll be five and six, which I'm okay with right now at that point in the season being five and six. Me too. But uh, that's all for this. Ab- oh, wait. No, I'm not done. Wow. <laughs> Cut me five off. Go and ahead. Six, I'm sorry. Staying at that pace would make them a borderline eighth seed in a week east. Because the East has a lot of teams that are going to finish around 500. We've gone over whether or not the, the, the Nets can make the playoffs so many times. But not, not since the, uh, the podcast has debuted. So. Look, the guarantees are the Raptors, the Bucks, the Pacers, the Celtics. The Pistons are undefeated. So are the Bucks and the, the Raptors are 6-0. Jeez. Yes. And... Those are really the only locks. The Hawks are not making the playoffs. Because the Wizards have shown 
that they are no longer a the good Wizards team. are last. Wait, no, they're second to last. And third to last. Yeah, they're third to last. So in the, East the right people now. who for sure are not making it, the Hawks, are the, the Hawks, the Bulls, the Magic, the, Magic, the Knicks, and the Cavs. So and the Wizards, they're not making it. Uh, they can they can go on a slight tear, but that's five teams. The, but so the Locks that leaves the Nets as a top ten possibility, and they'll have to fight with the Hornets, the Pistons, the Wizards. For the seventh and eighth seed, I remember the Pistons started off hot. No, the Magic started off hot last year. Yeah, and completely. That went could, down. That's that be could the be the Pistons, Pistons this year. Yeah, the, the Magic Somebody started off like hot last Reggie year. Reggie Jackson is likely to get injured. Like they usually lose somebody to an injury, and then their whole team will just crumble, and they're going to start losing games. So, do we think the Nets make the playoffs? Yeah. I, yes or no? I, I really think if you had point, to, if you had to plant your flag and stand by it right now. No, I say at this point, play. yes, seven seed. I say yes, seven I say or they eight don't. seed. I say the Nets don't make the playoffs. Not this year. I, I just think once everyone's healthy, including Damari Carroll, they're going to beat some. They're going to go on a couple good streaks because they have so many capable basketball players on the team. D'Angelo Russell just needs to learn. How to not make mistakes. 10 to 20 plays a game where he just just makes the wrong choice. It, that's the difference between him and an all-star. Someone like Donovan Mitchell, who's had less experience than him, knows in those 10 to 20 plays what the right choice is. And that's why his team is in the playoffs. His team is also definitely better than that, but I get what you're saying. Are we done now? Yes. Okay. That's going to do it for this episode, guys. Thank you for listening to our debut episode. Of course, subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave a comment. Leave a review. Uh, five stars, please. If you want to follow us on Twitter, like we said before, Hootball Nets. Individually, I'm at Najee Adams underscore on Twitter. N-A-J-E-E Adams. Hunter is at Hunter underscore J-K-R on Twitter. And yeah, once again, thank you all for listening. We'll see you next episode.